0: And so making sure that I'm not projecting my expectation onto the child. Let's say I love to sing, or I love to do this and this and this. If they don't love it, then that's something that's their own personality. I shouldn't expect them to do it, or I shouldn't be forcing on them to do it. So that's the, the generation before us, that that's what they a lot of times they did to us. A lot of us grew up in that type of habit and environment. So it's very common for us to do the same thing to our kids as well.
1: Yeah. That's very well said. You met a lot of first time parents and parents in Hong Kong, right? Yes. Thinking of these conversations and relationships that you've had with these parents, what are some of the common parenting issues? What are some of the tough parenting, Mm -hmm. you know, challenges that you, you keep hearing from your conversations? Good morning, good afternoon, and good evening. Welcome back. If we haven't met before, great to meet you. My name is Aaron. We tap into the stories of some of the world's most successful people, and not just successful people, ordinary people too, to understand what made them who they are and how they are collectively making our world a better place. If you're looking for dopamine, inspiration, new knowledge, or actions that you can take today to become a better future self, you have come to the right place to learn more about us you can head over to our website www.transformativepurpose.com and please don't forget to follow rate and share if you enjoy our content everything you see here is run by myself and a small team and we'll really appreciate it and last but not least our mission is to build a global community to inspire enjoy Welcome back to the new episode on the Transformative Purpose podcast. Today, I've invited a long term friend, Chin Lee. Chin is a entrepreneur who founded Little Monkey a few years back. Little Monkey is Hong Kong's first children facilities directory to improve the lives of parents and their children in Hong Kong. I've known Chin for so many years. And to me, Chin is this great woman, super dedicated. And she had a very successful sales career in a number of finance companies, super hardworking, and in her private life, she's also a great mom, very passionate about parenting, a very handsome mother and a very friendly spouse, if I could put it that way. <laughs> and of course, she's also been a great friend for myself and Cambie. And just before we start, in fact, actually, Chin helped us a lot with parenting. And just before we gave birth to our first child, I still remember Chin sent us a long list of emails. And in her email, it's got... A list of very helpful and resourceful information about what to buy, what not to buy, and it was just great. So, welcome on the show, Chin. Great to have you today.
0: Thank you, Erin. It's great to be here today too. My goodness, that recommendation. Maybe you should write my recommendation letter next time.
1: <laughs> if anyone is interested, I can. I can for it.
0: <laughs> I think becoming a parent is one of the one of the biggest challenge and adventure a, a person can go to, right? Because literally, the mom physically and mentally changes and I think that mentally changes as well having another life in their you know, lives and that they have to be responsible for so it is one of those biggest changes that unfortunately nowadays there's not a lot of people helping out so that's why you know we're, we're living away from our parents or we're expat in a new country so it's always good to bring that village in either virtually by email or by phone to help out a new parent
1: how did you view parenting before you had your first kid and how do you view parenting now has that changed
0: a little bit but not a lot to be honest because i've always wanted to be a mom when i was about 12 years old i had my first nephew and i ended up Mm -hmm. taking care of him because my sister-in-law was in a hospital for over a week with some complication so i was like the mommy in the beginning and being first generation asian american in america first time I was the only one that really spoke English and was reading English. I was reading all the parenting magazines and books and notes from doctors and things like that, the translator and the family. So yeah, I was taking care of him and then subsequent niece and nephews for a while. So I've always wanted kids and I always knew when I, you know, have babies or baby, depending on if I had one or mm-hmm. two at the time, yeah. um, I would, the way I really had a clear plan of how I was going to raise them already. Mm-hmm. So it was it was more the husband, so- <laughs> finding a husband or finding a partner in life who agree with me on that, and yeah. having that chat about it as well before we have kids.
1: Yeah. So would you say if you want someone to love kids, introduce babysitting early?
0: Because that can totally tell if person's ready for kids or not. Some friends we give them the kids like here you go, try it, out. <laughs> try it out for an hour <laughs> or two, take care of our kids. If you, you understand, yeah. this is what you're getting yourself into. I think this is a great introduction course because some people just can't handle it. And mm-hmm. they have to rethink a little bit like, you know, do I really want kids? And of course, if it's your own, it's a little different feeling too. But just having a little taste of it, like, you know, this is the type of world you're going to get yourself into helps a lot.
1: Yeah. And playing with kids and looking after one is so different, right?
0: Yes, for sure. You, can, you know, you can return them at the end of the day. <laughs> <laughs> Very different. <laughs> I-
1: I do have one confession. I did return a dog once.
0: <laughs> oh my goodness, no.
1: Yeah, oh. no, it was really bad of me. I tried to justify it, but you know, I, I know I can't, but it just, at the time I was living alone, I had a full-time job and I was also doing my master's mm. and I just couldn't handle it.
0: Yeah, yeah, it is a big responsibility, especially in the beginning when there, we had a dog, one of my ex and I went in college and in the beginning it was so needy. It just keeps coming to us every night, coming to our bed and stuff. After we broke up, he took the dog. So I was, I was glad that somebody had to take the dog. Poor baby.
1: Yeah, but we can't do that with kids.
0: <laughs> no, for sure. They're for life. They're definitely for life. It's very different because it's not just the whole we're responsible for them when nighttime or whatever it is. But we're responsible for them, that whole stress level, that whole worry and concern when either they get sick, as you know, or when something happens to them, like they get a boo-boo or they're facing mental challenges at school or friends, mm-hmm. they get in a fight with their Getting friends. Bullies. Yeah, we carry all of that weight and that concern. And that's that responsibility is just a huge factor. And so for me and you know, one of the biggest reason why I started Little Monkey was that we need that support system, you know. So any new moms that I know in my life, I reach out to them and was like, hey, I'm here. If you ever need anything, just give me a call. I don't care if it's middle of the night, you can give me a call because sometimes it's that middle of the night that that call is the most urgent and the most needed because especially our generation, especially the mom, it's hard for them to talk to their own mothers as well. Some of the things that we're facing today, whether it's breastfeeding, because a lot of times a mother didn't go through breastfeeding because there was a big generational like dip in that. Or it was some other things like mental health issue, you know, feeling depressed, feeling unhappy, feeling not connected with the baby. These are questions that it's very hard sometimes to reach out to relatives or someone that's very close to you. It's actually easier to reach out to a person that you know had gone through this or have similar experience but it's not as close as well so yeah it's a weird thing but good to have it
1: so how often do you talk to your, your mom about these issues your mom and dad about these parenting issues
0: nursing yes but other stuff not as much because my mom is also really old <laughs> she, she doesn't <laughs> push me me saying that but so my mom had me when she was 43 years old so wow. the youngest because what happened was my parents went through the Cambodian genocide. So growing up in that family, I had a brother that was 19 and a sister that was 16 years old when I was born. So my mom went through the Cambodian genocide she lost a daughter, an, another sister of mine there. And so afterward, it was it took some time for it to get over, you know, the whole war, just the whole trauma of, it, of losing a, a child as well before she decided to have another one or she decided to try for wow. and myself. And it took a while, it wasn't immediate, because at that age, you know, there was a lot of miscarriages as well. So she had me, and so we're pretty close in talking about a lot of our feelings and things like that. But at the same time, Mm. it's really hard to talk to someone who's a lot older, like mental health stuff. Like if I'm feeling stressed or something, she might not understand fully, but I know she's always there for me when I just want to talk about other stuff. I can hit her up and call her to, to talk about gossip or something else happening.
1: Yeah. What impact did that have on you? Your family going through the genocide
0: really big impact for sure i mean i would say my mom is my biggest hero second is my dad the reason why i chose my mom is because she held the family together pretty much so what happened was they they went to the cambodia genocide that was 75 to 79 and then after they escaped in 79 they went to vietnam from cambodia they had nothing right they're like refugees with no nothing everything and my dad tried to see if there's a way to go do I don't know why he was thinking going to Cambodia. He went back into Cambodia to try get away out, and then he was in caught and imprisoned for like about a year and, wow. and a half. So my mom held the family together. I mean, one woman, two kids with you know just lost the baby during the war and everything, and no money, mm. nothing really to the name, and just. Survived and was able to every week bring food and make the trek on the bus to go into Cambodia to visit my dad to make sure he wasn't starving in prison. Wow. Back then, prison life was starvation pretty much, right? It was pure starvation back then. Yep. So, for her to do that, you know, it's really, she was my hero. So, growing up, mm-hmm. being first generation Asian American is a big feat in the South, as most Asian American fellows understand, right? Well, you expected to. Be the first in college, be the first to excel, be the first in everything, Mm -hmm. and and to uplift the family from what we came from, right? So that's a big burden, big expectation on your shoulder. But at the same time, Mm -hmm. having parents who've gone through the Cambodia genocide, you don't really get to complain, that's one thing. Uh, If you're Mm -hmm. (laughs) saying, oh my goodness. Got no
1: base (laughs) compared to what your parents went through, right?
0: Yeah, they're like, well, you know, anytime you're saying, oh, well, I'm so sad I didn't get that A on my test. Well, you better study hard because we were starving. So, or I couldn't get the newest <laughs> sneaker. Well, back then, we didn't have shoes. <laughs> so, it's a little bit harsher reality going on. But the stories that they told me really made me realize how lucky we were as well. Right? Mm-hmm. lucky that I mm-hmm. was able to go to school. Lucky I was able to come home, do homework, watch TV, and actually have a childhood. When my sister and my brother didn't have one at the time lucky to not be starving every single day to wait for handout for a new pair of pants or something like that. So it brings you one, made you really grateful. But second of all, it also instilled in me this tendency to look at things with the possibility of it happening. Meaning mm-hmm. whatever it is I want to do, there's always a way. That's what my mom mm-hmm. always says to me. You, you figure mm-hmm. it out. You use your brain, you figure out a way. We, can, well, we were able to survive that be able to, you know, make sure that we won't get killed because back then, if you made a mistake, you immediately get slaughtered. Or to make sure that we get food, even though the ration wasn't enough for the family to survive, we had to use our brain to be smart about it. And so you need to do the same thing. You know, you're not in the life and death situation, so it should be easier for you. But nothing is impossible for us to do. So I was, mm. I grew up with that mentality and pushing through, so that resilience mm-hmm. was bred into me, and that's the resilience that I hope. And that grit to put into my son and daughter. So when they grow up, they well, have the same mentality, and same mindset as well.
1: Mm, that's you beautiful. To I guilt. didn't know that part of you.
0: <laughs> I'm trying not to get into the whole like, oh, mommy didn't have this and you had it. know. We try to get rid of that negative guilt and put only the positive yeah. and that the reinforcement into it.
1: What has been your biggest parenting challenge and how did you overcome it?
0: Yeah, I think one of the biggest parenting challenge is ensuring that we're not putting too much pressure on the kids, like expectation. Mm -hmm. Because growing up, Mm -hmm. you know, being first generation, we will expect a lot from us. And I think a lot of us also had this high expectation of ourselves, right? We make sure we, whatever we do, we're doing 120, 130%. And so making sure that I'm not projecting my expectation onto the child. Let's say I love to sing I love to do this and this and this. If they don't love it, then that's something that's their own personality. I shouldn't expect them to do it or shouldn't be forcing on them to do it. So that's the the generation before us that that's what they a lot of times they did to us. And a lot of us grew up in that type of habit and environment. So it's very common for us to do the same thing to our kids as well.
1: Yeah, that's very well said. You met a lot of first-time parents and parents in Hong Kong, right? Yes. Thinking of these conversations and relationships that you've had with these parents, right? What are some of the common parenting issues? What are some of the tough parenting mm-hmm. you know, challenges that you, you keep hearing from your conversations?
0: Yeah, so talk is, is very common. We talk about things like we want to do this, we want to do that. But action is the one that I find is the hardest issue they have. So whether mm-hmm. one, not yelling at the kid, that is something we all strive not to do as parents, not to lose our cool, yeah. <laughs> not to you know flip out on the kids when they're like drawing on the wall or they rip up your shirt or something. But it's hard to do. Right. So that is one of the biggest issue saying and doing the exact same thing as what we're saying mm-hmm. we're going to do. So that's one of the biggest yeah. issue. The second issue that mm-hmm. I see very common in Hong Kong is societal pressure. And so that's why in a lot of our little monkeys, parenting talk series, interviews, and things that I've done, a blog pieces that we put out, it's all about these are different things that parents face. These are different issue, or these are new information. You should, as a parent, talk amongst you and your husband and your immediate family of how you wanna raise that child instead of what someone else is telling you should be doing. So instead of someone telling you, oh, you should be going to an international school. Spend all your savings on it. Well, is that right for you? Is that your values? Do you want your child to go to international school where maybe Chinese might be, you know, not as prominent and you have to, in the end, have a lot of different tutors after school to supplement that? Is that the lifestyle you want for your child? Is that the values you hold as a family? If it's not, mm-hmm. then maybe we think that and look into other schools as well. Or the whole, we have to wear clothes of a certain time we have to drive everywhere we have to live in a certain neighborhood these are Mm all societal pressure you know because so and so is doing it we should do that we should strive to be exactly that well if it's not right for your family and if you're killing yourself doing it and not having a happy family life then that is not for you right Mm -hmm. so that's where we always try to give information for the parents and to try to get parents to understand you do what's right for you you guys figure Mm -hmm. out Is this a lifestyle for you and your family and for your child because every children has a different personality every child is different as well
1: and at what point do you discuss these values with your spouse is it before you you guys got married I know you've been you and Jason been dating for quite a while right when did you guys have these conversations because value of alignment is a big topic right
0: yeah so I suggest doing this before you get married for sure for sure Mm -hmm. even when we're dating right we broke up at one point in our uh, dating life because we started dating in college so we broke up at one point after college because there was some misunderstanding in the value alignment and luckily we talked it out and we were able to get back on track okay this is the road that we want to travel on as a couple right because if it's not the same road if let's say your road is i want a house with five kids and the guy's like no i just want to live in a city i don't want, I don't any, want kids. any kids you don't want. you shouldn't be getting married if both of you guys are doing like this the expectation that the other person is going to change is very hard they might change you know i'm not saying it's impossible but it's going to be very hard mm-hmm. to push that or to change them right so yeah. definitely before marriage before when you're even dating before you getting engaged those are things you talked about some of the hard-hitting questions that i talked about which i suggest to my close friends it's not the most fun topics to talk about, but things like what happened if you were to have, you need to get an abortion? What happened if there's a problem medically wrong with your child? Are you going to keep the child? Mm-hmm. What happened if one day we are down our luck? Like, you know, one spouse loses their job and they can't get back up. Is the other spouse able to support them fully? What is your baseline? Like in Chinese, we call si, you know, mm-hmm. for tough jobs. Will you take a yeah. job at Starbucks if our family's down as luck? Some people are so high on the you know horse. Sometimes they're like, "No, I got a college degree. I have to do this job. I can't do Starbucks, even if it's survival of my family." So you have to.
1: Are you going to do whatever is needed for the family? Yeah.
0: So you have to be in the same mindset as well before even doing the family, right? Of course, things change. Of course, right? So then, coming to Hong Kong was a very big change as well. And then seeing how Hong Kong raised their kids, we chat about you know whether oh now with the whole additional Chinese aspect of it. Do we want our kids to learn Chinese? Is that more important to us than English? What school we go put into, values like that. So it's Mm -hmm. consistently happening all the time, the talk, but as long as you're kind of on the right path together, it's, that's what's needed. And then you can, you know, start to adjust along the way as life does lemons Mm -hmm. and does stuff at you.
1: Yeah, but you and Jason have a really loving relationship. Now. Do you have any tools and tech? <laughs> <laughs> at least on the service. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Let's be honest, okay? Everybody who says, I have the most relationship, the best relationship with my, my spouse because I love him the most. Yes, I love him and he loves me to death and we'll jump in front of each other for a bullet. I made sure that we, we talked about that one. But at the same time, there are some days I just want to smother him with a blanket, a pillow, you know? like <laughs> Especially when like my son or my daughter is sick. And I'm staying up ha- most of the night with them because, you know, I can't sleep when they have a fever or something, you know, that worry in the parent. And the guy is like mm-hmm. snoring his butt off. So it's not all the time lovey-dovey, but it's when it's the most important thing about a relationship is going past that time, right? Knowing that mm-hmm. there is going to be days when you hate each other because of not really hate, but, you know, when you hate each other because things are just going bad and things about each other are annoying the, the other person really badly. Mm-hmm. You got to know that those days will come. And you have to accept those days, and then work your way, yeah. dig your way out of those days. That's where mm-hmm. it has a long-term relationship, right? There are going to be those days yeah. where I'm just like, and you want my husband? He's for sale. I'm giving him up right now. Sweet, <laughs> <Free. laughs> I'll throw in the kid too. <laughs> you know, never throw in the kid."
1: <laughs> I remember seeing those posts.
0: <laughs> <laughs> but it's good because it's a, you know, it's just it's for me it's a stress relief. Like, oh my god! And then my girlfriend called me and be like, "Okay, what did he do now?" And then we'll talk about it i'm like yeah okay i'm done i'm over the anger right yeah we're human we're always going to have that anger but it's good to talk about it to express yourself to vent it out and then once you're done it's done some people is great they can stop themselves from saying certain things in anger me him or not that. we will say a lot of things in anger but we also know that it doesn't mean it at the end of the day We love each Mm -hmm. other. We've been through so much together with long distance with 16 years together like that and two kids, Mm -hmm. you know, we will vent our anger and our venting our anger for us is our way of communicating. A lot of the parents sometimes tell me, oh yeah, fighting is bad. We don't fight. If you don't fight that, that's just, for me, it just bottles it in there. And I can't, I'm very expressive of myself. And so for us, our fight is really our communication factor.
1: I think two things for us. Are quite important one is you already cover it right is having that same values make sure you and your partners are traveling okay. on the same wavelength yeah. right because once you've got the alignment on values every decisions uh, everything that you say should really be underpinned by the values that you guys have a- already agreed yeah. on the second thing for me is to have that objective how you want to raise your kid to have that discussed early on you know again so that when it comes to argument when it comes to the good good days and bad days you you guys already have a common ground you are, already have the basis to base your decisions on and i think those are the two things that i think that 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 would be quite important for for both canby and myself in, you know when it comes to parenting and going through all those all those yeah. tough days
0: especially when it comes to like right. making that really tough decision we're lucky knock on word that we haven't had to really make but there is, you know, some parents have gone through where they have to make decision whether to terminate a baby's life or whether, mm-hmm. you know, something's happening to the kids on a medical aspect and they have yes. to choose which path to take. It's good to always have that. Coming back to that conversation, look, when we spoke about our family, we said we will try to raise them this way. So it's this decision mm-hmm. that we're going to make in line with that. We're going to regret this, yes. you know. Of course, it could change, but it's good to bring back because you had the whole, foundation pretty much kind of laid out it can totally change a little bit Mm -hmm. but most of the time the foundation is there is strong and with that strong foundation can you build all the rest of the stuff up
1: i wanted to do a follow-up on these tough topics that you've touched on you know going through abortion or having a a child that uh, might not be perfect and you and your spouse need to talk about these issues a few weeks ago i spoke to a another friend of mine and she went through postpartum depression after she gave birth to the first child so these issues are real but we just don't have enough voices in the community talking about these issues right i'm just thinking for the sake of our listeners who might be going through similar issues it might not be related to parenting it just be maybe some challenging moments in Mm -hmm. life what advice would you give to these people and how do you think they should go about go about it yeah
0: Postpartum depression is really common. Mental health right now is very common as well because of what's happening, what we're going through, right? We're going through this whole crazy pandemic that seems to be never ending. What I can say is Mm -hmm. you have to really look to try to find light at the end of the tunnel and it's really hard. It's really hard, it's not easy. So it's just taking baby steps. What I mean is doing something that you enjoy, baby steps. So for example, when my first child was born, The first week, being someone who loves children, who had taken care of children before and everything, you would think I I already have everything in the bag. You know, the first week, my hormones was crazy. I literally woke up every single time I could take a short nap, like one hour or something. I couldn't shut my brain off because I was so worried with a baby in the house. Every single time I woke up, I was in full on sweat. I was just depressed and i remember a couple of days in uh, maybe five days after the baby was born i told jason my husband to take the baby away from me because i just don't want the baby i literally told him i didn't want the baby he looked at me he started laughing i was crying and he started laughing at me i was like what the hell man I asked uh, why are you laughing at me this is real he's like he's well, like you know you're just emotional right now he's like you love babies Tell me this in like another 10 days, okay? And then tell me, and then I'll take you for real that you really don't want a baby. So, but I felt at that time, I just felt this, this darkness. There's no light at the end of the tunnel because it was constantly lack of sleep. That lack of sleep, that lack of no logic because I couldn't sleep and I couldn't put down the worry in my head. And then on top of that, Mm -hmm. the breastfeeding and the stress of not being able to breastfeed because she wouldn't latch on until the second month. So the whole entire Mm. thing just this heavy burden on yourself you don't see that light in a tunnel. what's good is that mm-hmm. he was there he laughed about it yes but then he was there taking care of the kid but he's also there giving me little things that i enjoy like oh babe let's watch a movie that we like i'm like dude i don't have, i don't what? have time to freaking sleep what do you mean watch a movie no mm-hmm. let's just watch it you know because then i forget a little bit you know what you're craving something let me buy you that that thing that you crave now you can have sushi <laughs> now you can have you know whatever you want again you know now that you of course with the child you confinement you can't have too much but he will give me all these little things that you know i enjoy so that's what i mean by little mm-hmm. stuff for me it's not it wasn't easy to just snap out of it you don't just snap out of a gloom like that that's something it's mm-hmm. just mm-hmm. really heavy on you but what it is is taking yeah. those little baby steps to try to get out of it Mm-hmm. Right? and of course sure. having the support system having a husband or at that time i also had a lactation consultant come to the house and she also mm-hmm. asked me these questions when i went to visit my doctor for fall they also asked me questions: How is she how's her emotional state how's her mentally mentally mm-hmm. thinking and stuff and i think also like after the second week i the fog kind of cleared and i was like okay yeah i didn't know why i wanted to give away the baby because at the time i literally felt no connection with her at all that first week like mm. what is this foreign thing in front of me have
1: i ever shared with you i've once told uh, my wife to sleep in <laughs> to get more rest and then the next day she developed mastitis <laughs>
0: <laughs> yes you do you, you do you do develop that because at the beginning we're so hormonal our body and the milk coming in thing it's yeah, yeah. I, I do sleep, like sleeping in for me was three, four hours. That's called sleeping in because at the time I was literally taking 45 minutes. Now I couldn't shut my brain off. That was how worried I was having a baby in the house. And the fact yeah. that Jason yeah. never had a child in his life. Like the first time he held a baby, I think he was like 26 or 27 years old. He was like, okay, take it away from me. It's like a bomb holding a bomb or something. So I was freaking out that he didn't know what he was doing. So that was my, my own concern with not being able to let go. It's hard. It's hard with the breastfeeding nursing. You want to do the breastfeeding correctly. You want to do right for the baby. The first two weeks you want to take the right pictures for the newborn. You have all this expectation on yourself. So my advice is for new moms, especially make a list beforehand and, and assign it to someone else. Just literally assign it to someone else. Mm. It's so much easier. And if you find yourself, Just your husband, right? Your <laughs> husband. or if the husband's not really good <laughs> at this, assign it to another mom. Literally. <laughs> assign it to another mom. Because sometimes yeah. husbands are not good at this. And he's really busy with helping you with the baby too, as well, right? So assign it to another mom, like, hey, yeah. can you not forget to pick up this something for me or whatever? And for mm-hmm. those who are not talking about postpartum depression, they're in that gloom, find things that you enjoy and surround yourself with people that you know actually listens to you and so can support you, right? Mm-hmm. Have that support system yeah. and find things like if you like painting, maybe take some art classes. If you like, um, doing, I don't know, pottery, take some gold clay, and things like that. Because it's just these little stuff. I mean, I'm not saying one time and then, you know, you'll be all cured. No, it's these steps and keep doing mm-hmm. these steps. Keep taking that one step forward. That's the way to build that resilience mm-hmm. and that. Like the fortification yourself to get through this time it's like climbing up step by step out of the, that deep hole that you're in
1: that's really helpful and also to also build on that something that i also do with my wife as well and i think that we have, which have helped me immensely is one is to keep doing what you were doing before before you become a parent i think some people go through this identity loss um, period once they have a child because they feel like oh, uh, all of a sudden now to have a baby, I can't enjoy what I was doing mm. before. I think to me, that's not true. Mm. I think you you need to still do what you were enjoying mm. before. Maybe just do less of it and just have better time management. Maybe you're playing dodgeball like five times a week before you had a child. But after having a child, just, it might just mean you're playing two times a week instead of five times a week. So I think having that balance is very important. And another element you already highlighted is, I think parenting is really about teamwork. Yeah. There's going to be ups and downs. And the most important thing, I think, as parents, right, is to have each other's mm-hmm. back, like you already said, right? Yeah. It's so easy for us to walk away from the problem, right? Yeah. And it's so easy for all of us to just get angry at the kids, get angry at the partner. That's so easy mm-hmm. to do. But, you know, patience is the hardest thing, yeah. and that's something that we all need to perfect and get I don't think right.
0: it's per- able to perfect ever. It's something that's ingrained. Yeah. Cause we have, <laughs> think about it, we're all in our 30s, 30 plus years of ingrained habit. It's not perfecting it, but taking steps and step towards the right direction to to understand why we're doing it. If you use the word perfect, it's it's really. I mean, for me, I'm the perfect mom because I'm. In, I know I'm imperfect. I know that I'm not 100 percent perfect, and having the acceptance of yourself, that's what makes me the quote unquote perfect mom. When I don't take the word perfect into consideration, what you said before, like doing stuff, it's really funny how when we first got married, everyone was like, oh. You know, we got married, so we're not going to invite you to whatever the ball crawls. So and I'm like, I got married. I didn't sign a death certificate. So, we I can still go ball crawl. I can, I can do girls' night stuff. So, that's what I did, you know. And then, same thing we're having each other. Oh, now you have a kid, so we didn't think you want to go out karaoke. Hello? <laughs> right, Erin? You brought your son out to karaoke to my birthday karaoke before, so... We can still, we can still go. out. we can still have a babysitter. We can still go out. We're still ourselves. Losing the identity is something. Yes, a lot of parents think, I have a kid now, I have to focus one hundred percent on a kid. No, you you're your own person. Take care of yourself first before you can take care of a kid. Like on an airplane, right? If you yourself are not happy, you yeah. yourself are depressed and not. Yeah, imagine.
1: buckle your seatbelt first. Yes, put on the air mask. Exactly,
0: <laughs> you're not gonna be able to be a good parent for the child. So yeah, we still go out. We still go out game nights for. That you know, other single parents or single people, we still go out to the movies. We still do what we do previous to this, right? If there was no COVID, we'll still be out clubbing and drinking, having fun. Because yeah. once in a while, that is you stress. gotta count me out for those nights. I'll drag you. Don't worry. When calm, I'll notes. drag you out there. It's when you when you're dancing and singing and, and karaoke, whatever. That's when we relieve our stress. That's for us. You know, some people like to do rock climbing. For us, it's dancing. That's how we relieve stress. Yeah. So yeah, you know, different people and I think that's how we met too. I met you at a party.
1: Yeah, while you're smoking shisha.
0: <laughs> I wasn't smoking shisha because well, I, someone else
1: don't, was.
0: I, someone else was. It was at a rooftop thing. That's why I met you. Yeah, through,
1: through Rainbow. Yeah.
0: I think you guys were not even married yet, so just newly married uh, too. It was like yeah, a long time ago. We are still our own person. Some things might change. You know, with the introduction to Netflix, we, we now like Netflixing a lot. Because yep. <laughs> we're just really tired. But once in a while, we do go out when we can.
1: I keep giving Camby an for when she's on that. When she pinches just on that Netflix. <laughs> yeah.
0: It's a really good escape, though. It's seriously, it's a good escape. just We just have to make sure that, you know, we're talking about it, actually. Because for mm. me and him, we talked about certain things that happen. Like, okay, in this situation, what would you do? You know, it yeah. really finds out a lot about your husband or your significant yeah. other. What would you do in this situation?
1: Yeah, that's interesting because just the other night, Camby and I were saying, oh, if our kid comes up and says to us, he or she wants to watch Squid Game.
0: Ah, uh, yeah. The Hong Kong Mom with-
1: Right? What are we going to say? Do we watch it with them? Do we watch it first? Do we not let them watch? Like, what, what do we do, right?
0: It depends on the child's maturity, depends on the age of the child, depends on in your household is he or she have been exposed to this type of thing like you know I, I don't know like that's up to you right? Your family and your your, your values For us yeah. it will be a hard no until she's at least 15 or 16 years old yeah. um, and also depends on her maturity level at that age too right? Would she was she someone who would take something this very seriously? Yeah. Like take it and have it mentally what you call affect her? Because the other day we did an interview with Arcadia. I did an interview about technology, right? So she said some kids are dandelion and some kids are orchids. The orchids are the ones that just a little bit of something would just affect them fully. Versus dandelion, they'll just go with the flow. They're like, okay, next. No, they're, they're not as affected, right? So every single kid is different. You gotta know your own child very well.
1: Mm-hmm. But we can only control so much, right? With so many connected digital devices, even if we control them, we don't let them watch at home. They might watch with their friends, right?
0: Yes, but that's why the conversation was so important with technology is that for for us, we were focused on the six and under, right? But those six and above, she spoke about having the child understand the effects of technology, understand their own responsibility, right? Because we can't, when they're 16, 17, when it comes to, let's say, drinking, when it comes to sex, these are things that we can't control them. Right? Mm-hmm. We just have to, as soon as possible as we can, when they start to understand these things, talk to them about it, have them understand the consequence of what they do. What mm-hmm. could be the possible consequence? And if they were to do anything, what are some of the protection? And the fact that they, no matter what happens, if they, you know, get caught at a party, they get caught with drugs unseen or something, they can always call on us. It's not like they just can't talk to us anymore. Yeah, that conversation, that open communication is very key
1: Yeah, so you rather kids have these open and transparent conversations with you Rather than doing something behind your back Behind my back,
0: yeah right? I'd rather be there to the help when it's too late, right? And not yeah. being able to help at all yeah. um, But at the same time, I want to have that conversation early, right? So mm-hmm. at what age do we talk about sex? These are something that Jason and I spoke about before And mm-hmm. we have to think about, you know, because she, she's somebody who's surrounded by a lot of kids at school and Mm -hmm. the kids will say something and she'll come back and like mommy mommy so-and-so say that doing wearing this is prettier than wearing this i'm like oh why do you think that (laughs) is there really a comparison just because you wear a dress like this versus wearing a pants like that i think both are pretty what is the reason why
1: yeah i remember seeing a viral video with a dad who's wearing this hot pants with his daughter and that went viral (laughs) if that ever happens you can ask jason to do that (laughs) So Wait, I think the dad, that, dad
0: is wearing hot pants? So
1: I think the daughter started wearing hot pants and and dad didn't like it. So I think the, oh, dad,
0: so he's, the he's, dad... he's... Yeah,
1: the dad wore it with her. <laughs> just trying to make his point.
0: <laughs> well, Jason still jokes on a regular basis that our oldest daughter cannot date until she's 30 years old. Oh, I, right. It's, just, it's a joke because I'm like, dude, you started dating when you were like 13 years old. He's like, yeah. yes, I know. And I know what boys are thinking. So... <laughs> so I don't want her to change her, she's dirty, and I'm making her sign the contract now at five years old. <laughs> yeah, that's possible, sure. Uh,
1: so I, I don't want to keep you too long, but, you know, the purpose of our podcast is really to inspire more people to think about what they can do today to become a better future self, right? What's, mm-hmm. what's that one thing that you would say parents or anyone should do more of to help us build a better place?
0: I think internally, look at yourself and what your goals are and what your values are and also make sure that conversation with the spouse is always updated. The reason why I say it's updated, like maybe if you're someone who doesn't talk a lot all the time with each other, you know, life gets in the way, it's very busy. Then maybe just have time to have a chat down and be like, let's, let's reevaluate our life, right? Let's look at what we're doing. Not just usually people sit down and talk about financial, like where we are financially, where's our money, what should we do in the next investment? Great. But then you also have to talk about the family, okay, school, what's going to happen with the schooling or well, kids, you know, in terms of the upbringing, are we, do we like the extra like activity that they're starting to get involved in now? Do we want to continue that? Or do we want to, you know, continue doing something else with the kids? Like maybe introduce them to swimming or more nature walks. Or another thing is now that they, they are going to primary school, certain topics are going to come up, right? Whether that's sex, you know, the birth and the bee, sex, whatever you want to call it, or technology, or whatever they're being introduced to, how do we approach this? So these are like little conversations. There's more, of course. You know, you can look online for all the topics that kids face at a certain age, right? But also, between you and your spouse, are you happy? That's something I always ask them. Are you happy in your job, in your career right now? What's happening, yeah. you know? Being involved in each other's lives not just the home life it's also very key knowing yeah. what's happening at his job what his boss is saying what his colleagues are saying who his colleagues are that being involved in that conversation i think it's also very important so just that open conversation that open communication is very important so but before you can do that before you can talk to someone else think about yourself as well where am i in my life am i happy right now in my life Am I happy in my career? What am I doing right now? What do I want to do in the next five years? What do I do in the next 10 years? And this is something that you should try to visualize, you know, mm-hmm. whether that's before bed or when you're taking a walk or on your way to work, put down the phone and just think about these things, you know? Because yeah. I think that to to better understand yourself, then to have that conversation with your significant other about your life as a whole, these are the values that you guys have to set up as your foundation. So that would be my advice for parents and especially now with the pandemic, you know, one of the things we talked about is what happens if one of us gets sick, what happens if one of us, something else happens to one of us, what will we want to do happen to the kids? Do we have like a guardian in place if both of us are, you know, not reachable anymore, things like that. So these are very crucial conversation. It's not the the easiest conversation. That's for sure. Mm -hmm. But it's a conversation that's needed. So, you know, Grab a couple of bottle of wines if you need to, <laughs> open it up, um, put some music on, and start talking. Because I think that's what's lacking in today's world. We have Netflix, and that's very easy. to always have Netflix. It's always easy to say, "Okay, we have the next thing that we have to do," whether that's the kid's next concert or the application for primary school. Or this is it. There's always going to be a list of tasks. Right. So having that conversation to to always have that conversation going is very key.
1: Thank you, Chen. Thank you so much for coming on our show and sharing all these insights about parenting and how to have a healthy relationship with your spouse. I really love everything you said today. Thank you so much for your Yeah, time.
0: thank you so much for inviting me. And of course, I'm not the perfect parent myself, <laughs> or the perfect spouse.
1: But no one yeah, is. no
0: one is. <laughs> um, and that's, I think, that's very key for everybody. Uh, you know, to think, just really think about these conversations.
1: Yeah. Thanks. All right. I'll see you soon.
0: Thank you. <laughs> Bye.
1: See ya. Bye hope you enjoyed the chat. I always say our life is very much like discovering what the next chapter is in our own book. And what we do today can change the narrative in the next chapter. Our life given by nature is short, but it's not the duration that matters. What matters more is how many meaningful things we can do and how many people we can help in our life. I hope you have gotten some inspiration and new ideas about what you can do differently today. And as you are doing it, remember to also change your ecosystem so that you can sustain it. I firmly believe our world will be a much better place if all of us are focusing on becoming a better future self together with the people we love. See you in the next episode.